Hi, I'm Matt Quinn. Thanks for joining us for the second episode of Decision Point from Ivy Publishing at the Ivy Business School. Over one-third of Canadian organizations froze salaries this year, up from just 2% before the pandemic. This is according to a recent survey published by human resource services company Morneau Chappelle. South of the border, economists predict that wages will stay stagnant amid sustained uncertainty and financial stress. Today, we sit down with author Karen McMillan to revisit her best-selling case, A Zero-Wage Increase Again? McMillan is an assistant professor at the Lazarita School of Business and Economics at Wilfrid Laurier University and also teaches at the Ivy Business School. During this discussion, we unpack how to write and teach cases covering core HR topics in organizational behavior. Topics range from employee motivation, compensation management, and organizational justice. Developing a systemic approach to performance management is crucial now more than ever for organizations. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Karen, let's start from the beginning. What prompted you to write this case? Well, this is not a glamorous backstory, Matt, I'm afraid. I was a doctoral student and I wanted to go to a conference. The school would pay for my trip if I had something accepted at the conference. I figured it was easier to write a case than to do a whole research project. So I started looking around for a situation on which to write the case. Necessity is the mother of invention, I guess. The good, yeah, well, the good news is the case was accepted at the conference, so I got to go, and it actually won the top case award at that conference. That is so cool. And and from the publisher side of things, I'm seeing so many really great cases coming out of conferences. And what I love to see, especially now in the situation we're at with uh, conferences going online, they're starting to tackle some really interesting topics at these conferences. And, you know, we're participating in a few about uh, female leaders in cases, for example, and, and really looking at some important topics. So that's a good, it's a great place for people to think about, where do I start? <laughs> I agree. And one of the great things about bringing a case to a conference is you get lots of feedback from other people and probably people that are different from the ones around you at your school. So you get these perspectives, you get to integrate that into your case, and I think it makes for a better case. Yeah, that, that feedback loop, which is which is really cool. I want to talk a bit about the specifics of the case for a little bit here. So the case centers on uh, Mark Coughlin, and he's the owner of a company called House, Hearth, and Home. And it's a hardware, furniture, building center. Can you talk a little bit about the dilemma that he's facing? Because this is really what it comes down to. We're putting students in the seat uh, and, and having them go through. So what's the dilemma he's facing? The problem Mark has is he wants to reward his employees. Money has been tight for a while, so people haven't had a raise for a couple of years. Now, he figures he can pull together some money, but what should he do with that money? Should he give it to his best people? They deserve it, of course. Or should he try to spread it around so everybody gets a little? That seems like it would be fair. Like most managers, Mark just wants to get the biggest bang for his buck to help his business. And situations like that are just as relevant now as the, when the case was written as we uh, are going through you know, the, the COVID crisis, uh, the ensuing economic crisis. There are a lot of businesses, small and large, that are going to be facing questions like this. So it's great for students to be put in the seat. I know that you uh, did some field interviews for planning this. Do you 
filter through any other dilemmas or was it this particular one that stood out to you as the author? Okay, this is the path I've got to follow. Well, you know what happened with this case? I went to lunch with the contact. I had never met him before. I just knew I wanted to write a case for this conference. So I offered to buy him lunch. Uh, so we went for lunch and I just asked him for interesting stories. I didn't ask him for a compensation story. I just asked him to start talking about things he experienced at work. So he started talking. Uh, and this guy was a great manager. He was very thoughtful. He was the type to think through employee issues very carefully. So he told me about a number of different things, but the compensation question seemed pretty compelling. I was an HR director for a number of years, and I know this type of problem comes up all the time. You mentioned something really interesting about uh, Mark's character here and, and how great of a leader and a manager he is. And you noted in the note is, uh, you know, how emotion have the potential to influence decision-making process. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And I know you've seen lots of different cases. Do you see this adequately adequately addressed in cases outside of, of OB? Um, because I know that it's such a, a tricky part when you get emotion wrapped into it. Well, that's a great question, Matt. I don't know what the answer is, though. To I don't read a lot of cases outside of OB, I bet you do, though. Do you see this covered very often? I, I, I see it more and more, uh, and I really uh -huh. appreciate it when it when it comes into play, not only in the case, but the teaching note. You know, we're training the next generation of leaders, and it's not just ones and zeros or, or finance, which is important, but more and more the soft skill, the emotional intelligence side of it. So when it and whenever I see this, I've got a psych degree background. I get excited. Uh -huh. uh, so for those authors, <laughs> yeah, authors thinking about writing things, this in the teaching note, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, and, and it really is important. Well, I agree. I do think it should be covered. Humans are not always rational and for a number of reasons. And one is that our emotions can affect our decisions. So I know in the classroom, I tell my students to never make a decision when they're feeling strongly about something, either positively or negatively. They have to tame their feelings or or take off their emotion goggles to think clearly. I tell them emotion goggles are kind of like Drunk goggles, maybe you've heard of those. Um, you know, where we have we have a few drinks and then we don't see things that clearly. It's the same with emotions. We don't want to make decisions when we're drunk and we don't want to make decisions when we're emotional. Otherwise, our skill level will probably go down. What a great skill for the, the students to practice in an environment of the classroom where it's safe to practice it, which is cool. Absolutely. Another thing that you talk about, and I'm sure that it's related to this, but I want to make sure we talk about it for those that aren't familiar, is bounded rationality. Can you define it and then bring it into how does this play out in the, in the case? I think we have a basic assumption that we are fairly rational beings. And I mean, this, this comes from a, a strong history of, of schooling saying we need to, to break things down and think in a linear way and, um, and take all the components of that might affect a decision and consider them equally. 
rationally, that is the way we should make our decisions. But the research is very clear that we don't always follow those steps. We take shortcuts. We are biased. You know, there are all these reasons why we are not rational. And I think we have to acknowledge that our rationality is bounded, uh, so that we can take steps to make better decisions and to make um, decisions that are mindful rather than reactive. Mm. I want to go back to that lunch table where you took Mark for, for lunch. Could you talk about maybe some of those emotions that he was struggling with? Because I think this would put, you know, those that are going to use the case or thinking about writing a case, something like this, puts them in the seat again. What, what was he struggling with trying to make this decision? I think he was struggling with justice, right? Justice and business concerns. So he wants to be fair. I think um, this this business owner was an inherently fair person where he wanted to do the right thing. But he wanted to do right by his employees who deserved it. Um, and he wanted to do right by his employees generally. So what does that mean? Does it mean being equitable? Actually, equity is not always a path to fairness. In some cases, and we at least have to consider the fact that it might have been more fair to give some people more than others because of their merit. Ah, so it's that that tug of war between let's treat everybody in, in a certain way or rewarding certain ones. That's that's really interesting. Uh, so you could see him struggling with this as he was uh, <laughs> handling his appetizer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He was, as I said, he was a thoughtful man. He still is a thoughtful man, uh, I'm sure. But he he thought carefully about what was happening and how he was um, reacting to it. And he expressed that um, pretty openly. He was a very candid fellow. That's really cool and something that uh, when we get to work with a partner in a case like this, we realize how lucky we are to, uh, to find somebody that is uh, that open with saying, boy, I'm struggling with something. Um, you, yes. you've, have you stayed in touch with, with Mark uh, as he's gone through the decision and the business uh, continues? Actually, I did stay in touch with Mark for a while. We wrote another case together, um, or he was a contact for a case down the line. But unfortunately for me, he ended up moving um, pretty far away uh, and taking on a new, he ended up buying a different store. So he uh, he's not as easy to take for lunch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great that you got a second. I think that speaks to the experience that he had working working with you. Now, let's move from Mark and the specific business to the situation. We're sitting here on the 28th of, of July. We're in the middle of, of summer here in the middle of COVID. Uh, when the case was written, many were still recovering from the Great Recession. Uh, some similarities to what we're going through now. Given what's going on now, do you think you're going to ch change how you teach this case? Uh, has there any, been anything you go, I'm going to shift slightly how I approach this or work with students on it? I think that the, the changes that are happening right now with the economy are going to make this case uh, even more relevant than it was last year because – Unfortunately, a lot of companies are going to be struggling with the ability to pay their employees in the way they're accustomed to. So I, I think that uh, the case will 
probably be um, a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It might resonate with, um, with students more because they may have seen this themselves by the time they, they engage with this case. Uh, so I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that we don't see a lot of uh, situations where money is super tight uh, and where raises don't happen for a while. But I think uh, that's possibly going to be something we see more often. You know, in these times of uncertainty, I think it it becomes even more important for us to be very careful about what message we're sending to our employees. And people take money as a message. So every message that the organization sends to their employees in these uncertain times, I think they're going to be scanned even more carefully than usual by employees. So as money gets tighter, I think it's going to behoove leaders to be very clear about what they value and what they reward. You know, mindful decisions and careful communication as we go forward in this time of uncertainty are going to be more important than ever. And the students will have the lens because they're going through it with all of us. They're seeing it in the news and in social media. And now they get to play the role of that leader, giving them practice for when they graduate and go out and, and get those jobs uh, to be the, the mindful leader, like you said, uh, moving forward. That's pretty cool that, that this case lives on with, with new perspectives. Yeah, I hope so. Have there been any challenges or surprises when you've taught this case that you go, boy, I didn't see that coming? (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny, Matt? I'm always surprised um, how fast uh, students suggest that Mark should simply fire the underperforming employees, that that's the solution (laughs) to this case. Wow. And you know what? That is a theme. I don't know if it's just my students, but I find students are very quick to jump to termination as a solution. I do not know why they are so quick to pull the trigger, but that never ceases to amaze me. That's really, really interesting. Might it have something to do with that? They've never been in the in the position of sitting across from somebody having, <laughs> having to give that very challenging news, and it sounds great in theory. <laughs> I think you're 100% right. Uh, Students think that it's a simple solution and that when you fire somebody, all the problems that... that were happening with that person go away. And it's, it's not the case, of course. Uh, and so I do try to make uh, or have a, a bit of a conversation around that point. Um, I know it's not covered in the teaching note, but to, to explore that a little bit to say, yeah, once you're sitting across from somebody, it's hard and it should be hard. What else do you do? You hit pause on the case. You, you, you take that path. What other ways do you challenge the students when they come with this type of a, of a solution? Is it asking other questions? Do you role play? Uh, what else happens in the classroom when you hit this? Well, that's a good question. I think that sometimes we, it depends a lot on the context, of course, and if we have time, but, but I am definitely about taking a sidestep and entering a new pasture. So entering a new conversation, if it seems to be um, something that will fit well 
And I will happily take out something to make that happen because it's organic and because it's coming from the students themselves. Um, this is why case teaching is so exciting because you can respond in the moment um, if if it presents itself. And I think I think it's smart to to open yourself up to that possibility and not to stick to that case plan um, because the students are the ones that need to tell us where where we should go. So being being open to those suggestions and and being willing to take a different path and relaxing maybe a little bit on the the teaching note or that path that they're really just suggestions or guides, not rules. Absolutely. And what I would expect to see is, I mean, this case is used around the world. This is, I, I don't mind saying, Matt, it's thrilling to me to see how many people use this case in countries that I'll never get to visit. So my case gets to go where I don't get to. And if, I expect that every one of those instructors will interpret this case and use this case in different ways. Uh, it, and that's that's great. They should use it in a way that that makes sense for their learning objectives that they're trying to hit um, and for their particular students. And every time I teach the case, uh, it's a different experience for me too. Maybe what we could do, you know, try to take advantage of the, the podcast and, you know, easy access to emails that if there's anybody listening that's used the case, and they've had different experiences with student solutions or some interesting challenges that come up, I'd encourage them to uh, send us an email at Ivy Publishing. You can check out our website for that. And then, uh, Karen, I'll share with you if we if we hear from anybody, because it would be cool to see the different perspectives as you uh, cross different continents and different regions. So let's do that. Let's open it up to some of the, the listeners. That'd be kind of neat. I think that's an amazing idea, Matt. I would love to hear from people who have who have found different things to um, to leverage in this case because we can make that teaching note even stronger, or we can change the case even perhaps a little bit and focus on some things more than others if that. Uh, seems to be of value. So please, yes, if you have things that have worked for you or that you've, um, you'd like to, to see explored or would suggest other people explore, please send those in. That's, that's cool. Let's do it. And so I know, um, you know, we've talked a bit about the teaching note and about the case and using the case, but I'd like to uh, open it up now for your advice to the listeners for new case writers. Um, what did the experience of teaching this? You've mentioned a great relationship with the, with the subject and, and Mark. What other advice might you have for new writers, the things to do or things to avoid? Okay, well, I think I would suggest that if you want to write a case, you should write a case that you would want to use. It should speak to you. You can't try and write cases for other people. You should um, think about something that would that would make you um, excited to get into the classroom. The story doesn't have to be world stopping. It doesn't like look at this case. This is a pretty, this is a pretty tame situation, but but it has some tensions. And I think that's what we want in a good case is we want people in the room to split into sides and be ready to argue for their side. Debate is is wonderful because it makes students think through their ideas. Um, they get to practice persuading. They get to jump into learning. So so build some disagreement into your case, and I think that makes it more engaging. Um, I'd also suggest if you're writing a case is 
put as much time into your teaching note as you do your case. Uh, find, find a teaching note that you love and that you found really useful and copy that. Um, because the teaching note is, I think, critical to a case. If you're writing a case, you know, there is, there's no instructor in the world who has ever said, oh, I have so much free time to prep for class. What am I going to do with all my free time? No, they are all saying, I need something that I can run with tomorrow. And that's what a teaching note should do. It, it allows you to jump into the classroom with a logical plan that actually works. Yeah, I love that. This, it, jumping right in, you know, use that teaching note, jump in. And then, like you said, as you're getting more comfortable as a user of the case, then you can start making it your own and, and getting the feedback and taking different dimensions or different viewpoints. Uh, but I really one thing I want to reinforce is, um, you know, thinking about using it yourself, using it in your classroom. And that's the safe space that our students need to test out ideas, to back up their ideas, and also the place for them to say, hmm, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> I'm going to take this different perspective. Oh, that's great when that happens. Karen, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today, uh, for, for writing the cases and being open to that process of how did it work for you, the different angles that you've seen. So thank you very much for always being willing to, to work with us and, and sharing your different ideas. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me today, Matt. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Great. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye now. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to Decision Point on Spotify or wherever you listen. And be sure to check out the show notes for links to cases, resources, and more. Have any feedback? Send us an email at cases at iv.ca.